You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Warsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. If you'd like to, please give us a follow on social media. We've got a lot of great content over there. Matthias runs the Twitter account, does a great job with that, especially on game days. You can uh, Basically, you're getting our brand handed to you during Titans games, right? I'd say so. You can follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook, at No Nonsense Pod. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please go leave us a, uh, a rating and review. Or whatever platform you're using to listen, though, do subscribe to or follow the show. That's going to make it a lot easier to get episodes. And oftentimes, we will uh, have episodes to our subscribers before we actually announce them on a uh, on Twitter and Facebook, so sometimes you might be able to get them early. Great show today coming off of a big-time Titans win against the Jaguars where they thumped them from start to finish, turned a 7-3 lead into a 28-7, into a 28-3 lead in 4 minutes and 41 seconds of game time. Uh, the offense scored touchdowns on three straight plays within that span. Um, just, just something that we have not seen from the Titans this season, and that is a Total curb stomp boat race start to finish control the game. Yeah, I, I think this this one felt a lot like the Cleveland Browns win from week one. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it had been a while since we since we had seen this, uh, and it was a, it was a, it was kind of a weird game in the first half because it felt like the Titans should have gone into halftime up by a lot more um, than they did. It was only seven to three at halftime. Uh, but then it, it felt like the game kind of uh, corrected itself. Uh, it, it was just so nice, uh, probably nicer because it was the Jaguars, and we all we all absolutely hate the Jaguars. They're so annoying. They're so cocky for absolutely no reason. They've never won anything. They made one AFC Championship game uh, just because their defense was like all time all time level good, and then 
than uh, with their cap situation and uh, giving money to Nick Foles, giving money to Blake Bortles. It was just, oh, man, it's 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 beautiful to 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 kill this team and they were even talking they were talking trash before the game dj hayden was like it we're not going to be it's not going to be us that gets um you could say did he say dominated oh no he said somebody's it's not us yeah yeah that's hilarious and that we absolutely destroyed them so (laughs) that 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 felt really good uh the thing that uh that not that i took away the thing the thing that that makes me feel good um as a titans fan seeing Tannehill play well is very it's very good but seeing derrick henry just continue to pummel the jaguars and, and pretty much pummel every team uh that he comes across especially in these winter months it, it seems uh that's been the case for a couple of years uh that just gives me a lot of hope uh for these next couple of weeks coming up yeah, and it felt a lot more sustainable than the Cleveland win did because the Cleveland win, it was like three interceptions and one was a pick six, and they were all in really good positions. So, I mean, this, two of the players who scored touchdowns in that game are not playing for the Titans right now Malcolm Butler and Delaney Walker? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's. This felt like the first time all season that I've seen the offense go out and say, okay, this is the weakness. This is how we attack it. This is how we, you know, this is how we counter that. It's the first time it looked like the offense had a plan that actually took into account what the other team does, which is exceptional. And the defense is always opportunistic and good. They've made fewer plays lately, but at the end of the day, the Titans had, I think, a 38-3 to lead at one point or, or something close to that. So 35-3, to yeah. 35-3. to So, you know, at, at a certain point, it doesn't matter if you're not getting sacks and interceptions. If they can't move the ball on you, then don't change what you're doing. And that's exactly what happened until it was complete garbage time and it didn't matter anymore, which is exactly what we've seen from the Jaguars, you know, year in and year out, is the Titans absolutely – destroy them and then they score some garbage time touchdowns and it doesn't feel quite as impressive oh it's the same it, it just it was it just really bo- portals before yeah it yes. was a garbage time machine it yeah I, I, I even tweeted yesterday i was like it's a shame that the jags are in garbage time without their garbage time king blake portals <laughs> yeah i saw that but i mean now it goes from portals to Fournette that they're trying to pump up as an actual nfl player so yeah, that was so strange like down 25 points in the fourth quarter. They were still trying to establish right? the run. Like, give give your rookie, Armstead, some run. Let him get some playing time. It's like they're punishing. No, no, hold on. I know what they're doing. They're trying to justify their uh, their top four draft pick on a running that back is, by, by feeding him and uh, getting his yards per touch up. Even that though is it was exactly only, what they're doing. Yeah, it was is there like w- four or something. Well, his yards that per didn't make sense four. when it happened. I loved Fournette in college. I was totally out on him when I saw those combine numbers. Because, like, the combine is – okay, If you we, we've had this discussion before, and I'm going to keep it short. If you are really athletic in terms of combine numbers and good in college, you're good to go. You're on my board. If you're not that good in college but have good combine numbers, you can still be on my board. I get scared if you're good in college and your combine numbers are, like, real, real bad. And I'm not talking about, like, I don't know, a Dory Jackson runs a 4-5, and I'm supposed to believe that's actually how fast he is. 
I'm talking about, like, just go look at Fournette. Like, his weight was awful. His his jumping stats were horrific. I just remember watching that thinking, like, this dude is just kind of an average running back. Yeah, uh, he tested in the one percentile for his vertical jump with a 28-and-a-half-inch jump. I just looked it up. So, yeah, I mean, that's bad. Like, it's bad to be 240 pounds and not be able to jump, which, you know, we we can argue back and forth over whether Fournette's, like, a clear bust. And or I don't want to get on a, just, a rabbit trail. Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. The, the fact is that anytime you look at a Jacksonville box score when they come to Tennessee, it's just inflated nonsense. Like you can't take, you can't take away anything from that because it's all fluff that happens in the late third, early fourth quarter. Let's have the, uh, the, the obligatory Ryan Tannehill discussion after that game. Uh, Marcus Mariota was, was real, real bad for those first, what, however many games he played. And I think when the switch was made, Everyone was expecting better quarterback play, but nothing revolutionary. <laughs> We've gotten revolutionary. I mean, it, it has been night and day between how this offense has looked with Tannehill and Mariota. And I don't know if that's an, more of an indictment on Mariota or, or more of a, a credit to Tannehill. All I know is that he's playing probably, in fact, I'm not even going to say probably, he's playing the best football of his career. Matias, you would probably agree with that as someone from the Miami area. Yeah, there there were stretches at times with the Dolphins where Tannehill looked like an actual franchise quarterback, but I have never seen him play uh, the way he has uh, over these past five five games, I think it's been. Um, it's just like he has a lot of confidence right now. I don't know if it's maybe the system that he just feels comfortable in. I don't know if he's – maybe it's the fact that he's totally over a lot of injuries that nagged him uh, during his time in Miami. Uh, but he's throwing with confidence. He's running with confidence. He's trucking people like every single week, uh, which is not something that I mean, he's always been like a tough guy, but I, I just wasn't expecting this out of him. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, Mariota uh, against the Jaguars a couple years ago and then the playoffs against the Chiefs. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's been amazing. Uh, he's been like a legitimate. He's played like a top five quarterback in the NFL. Uh, since he took over. Well, he'd be a pro uh, bowler, I think, if he'd started the season and been playing yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I have some stats to back it up even. And, and, uh, and, you know, quite frankly, considering how the Pro Bowl goes with quarterbacks, he, he might, might make it. He might find yeah. his way into that grouping. <laughs> I was going to say, Mariota could make it at this point. Like, the yeah. Pro Bowl is a joke. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised, especially because there, there are a lot of bad quarterbacks playing right now in the NFL. Um, and I think... Um, yeah, I think that kind of has made what Tannehill has done look even better. Uh, but yeah, since Tannehill became the starter uh, for the Titans, we are number three in EPA per dropback, which is expected points added per dropback. So we've been a top three, top five offense since Tannehill took over. And I don't think that's anything to sneeze at. Uh, you could say it's a small sample size, but five games is pretty much almost... What that, that I mean, that's a third of the season. That's a pretty big sample size to take from this. And even if you're going straight from the from the film perspective, what you're seeing on the field, he looks great, and the, you can't deny it. Yeah, I mean, so um, 
there, there was a comparison earlier today, and basically the gist of it is is uh, since the quarterback switch, we're averaging about 12 more points per game. Uh, the completion percentage has gone up. It's in the low 70%, despite the fact that you know he came in in spot duty in the Denver game and never really got into a rhythm and then had to take over from there. I mean, I, I don't know what more you could want. Uh, Gil Brandt tweeted out today that you know he's the highest-rated starting quarterback in terms of uh, QBR. Uh, I don't I don't know how much stock we put in QBR, but you mean it, the ESPN stat? Uh, I would imagine zero well, stock. Qu- yeah, sorry, sorry. Talk yeah, about not BR. It's the worst yeah. stat in the world. The world. Yeah. So you know the one where Charlie uh, Batch's two pick two touchdown games yeah. the best of all time. <laughs> yeah, like and you know there's there's a bunch of stats we can talk about to support it. Like Glennon posted today that. Uh, when I'll, he was blitzed, he was eight of eight for 187 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. I want to know he, what Pro Football Focus has to say. Uh, they have him as a 91.2 from this week. Okay. I don't know about. Okay, this, this. But, all right. I, I, he John Glennon also posted that, so it's right underneath that tweet. So, I mean, he has him right below uh, star wide receiver AJ Brown, who got a uh, 91.4. Um, but yeah, like. It, so, uh, they're just really efficient and good, especially where it counts, which is you know third down, which I think they're forty percent or somewhere around there, which is a really solid percentage. And uh, especially when you consider how many third and longs we've had, and uh, in the red zone where they're incredibly efficient outside of one fumble from uh, this past week. But the anything you want Tannehill to be doing reasonable, like. It, within the frame of what you expect Tannehill to be, he's either exceeded your expectations or he's meeting them and doing it. So, you know, he, I mean, he looks great. Like every time I want to find something where I'm like, well, that's clearly where drafting a quarterback high would help is because some guy can do this. But I, I don't, I don't know that there's another yeah. guy out there that the Titans can get that is going to th- be. Able to I think we had that conversation well last week where where we posed the question of other than Tagovailoa and. Uh, 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 Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow, who is there from this class that you're confident would be better than Tannehill at his worst this season? Because that was Pete Tannehill yesterday, but like the worst we've seen Tannehill, who's going to be better than that? So I didn't, I didn't watch college football this week, but by all accounts, Justin Herbert was terrible. Yeah, I didn't see it. So, so. I'm at the point, man. I'm like one. I, I tweeted this yesterday. I'm one more good Tannehill performance away from just being all in, at least for these next couple of years. Well, and here's another quick question, and I don't want to spend too long on this because we'll have months to dive into this kind of stuff. But like, maybe even a rhetorical question: what what big need do the Titans really have? Guard, edge. I mean, that's the thing. That's why when we've talked about giving up future assets for to trade up for a quarterback. I'm always I'm not hesitant to say that that I would give up uh several future first round picks just because I feel really good about the roster and there really aren't many holes in it. Uh I guess another uh, yeah, another edge pass rusher would help especially cuz Cameron Wake kind of looks like he's on his last legs. Um and I guess another D-line would help also, but our defense is fine. It's one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, right guard probably, but we just invested a third round pick in Nate Davis. So I think, uh, we should give him 
uh, the jury's still out on him. We should give him some time to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get more into that, obviously. Okay, coming up, I'm going to renounce what was a incorrect and incorrect take from me a couple of weeks ago on the show about Derrick Henry. I made the comment that the Titans would be wise to move on from him after the season. And I'm going to renounce that opinion. But before I do, I want you to listen to a quick word from one of our sponsors. And then when we get back, I'm going to call myself out for being incorrect about Derrick Henry. This is my chance to, and I'm writing about this for uh, Tuesday, so by the time the podcast comes out, this will have already been posted. Uh, I owe an apology to all of our listeners because I said that it would not be smart for the Titans to re-sign Derrick Henry on the basis of two arguments. Number one, that running backs are replaceable. And number two, Henry is one-dimensional. The second of those still stands. Derrick Henry is incredibly one-dimensional. However, based on his performances over the last couple of weeks, I am no longer convinced that what Derrick Henry gives the Titans is replaceable. Thoughts? I agree. I still think he is one-dimensional, like you said. But as I've said before, Derrick Henry's absolutely a running back. You can build an entire offense around, and we've seen it before. We nearly made the playoffs last year because we centered our entire offense around Derrick Henry, and he went on a historic pace. Um, and now, I mean, he's having an amazing season. These last two weeks, he's he's been literally unstoppable. They, they can't stop him. He has, what, almost— how how many almost like 300 yards or no it's more than 300 yards in these last 2 weeks it's absolutely ridiculous yeah it's yeah it's closer to like 350 cuz he had 188 against uh, Kansas City and yeah. then he had 150 something against the Jaguars so that's three in the like the low 330s or 320s and then that's not even factoring in the couple of receptions mm-hmm. he has yeah it, it has been kind of an intriguing season for Henry at, at least in my opinion uh, because for a lot of this season, he wasn't getting those home run plays uh, that we had grown kind of accustomed to. He would have a lot of yeah. negative plays or maybe one or two yard gains, and then he would pop one. Uh, but this entire season, he's kind of been getting chunk gains, uh, five to seven yards pretty consistently. And now these last two weeks, uh, he breaks off two, I think both of them were 70 plus yarders. Um, so if he starts getting those home run plays back again and he's still churning out those five to seven yard gains, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a team, it, it would be an offense that you can ride all the way to the Super Bowl. And, and, he, and here's why I say he's not replaceable because usually big play threats are, here's the difference. When you look at a big play threat and Chris Johnson's such a outlier example, cause he was so good, but like a Lamar Miller type, a, uh, Kenyon Drake. Give me some other names. Some some big play running backs. Braden, like Saquon Barkley. Or were we talking about just that anybody? aren't like freaks of nature? Oh, okay. Hmm. I think Braden's a good one. He's got crazy speed. He yeah. takes a lot of long runs. Well, I mean, and even really Barkley. Here's the difference: Derrick Henry's big plays don't just come because. Oh my gosh! There's this twenty yard hole that he runs right. real fast into. Derrick Henry creates his own big plays with his size. And, you know, I said this to a friend that I was talking to after the game yesterday. In this business, we overuse the phrase develop 
But Derrick Henry is that rare player who actually has developed. He has gotten better at football. And he has figured out how to use his incredibly rare skill set to his advantage. Because you guys remember year one and year two when he was just giant bad Chris Johnson. Like later years Chris Johnson. Where he would take the ball just kind of dance around and fall forward for a yard or two. And then they'd have to throw throw on third and eight, you know. That's not what he is anymore. No, and I don't think we, well, maybe we were a little too hard on him earlier in his career, but even he himself uh, several trash. times, yeah, he said it himself. Like he knew that he was much better than what he was putting out on the field. Uh, and last year, well, well, the second half of last year, and then this entire season, he's been he's been a top five running back in the NFL, and there's no denying it. Yeah, I mean, the, there's something rushing to be right now. Sorry to interrupt you, Will, but I believe fourth no, you're in good. rushing right behind fourth or th- behind yeah McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. He's ahead of Josh Jacobs, fellow Alabama alum, and there's mm-hmm. someone else in the mix too. But I think he's fourth right now with nine ninety one. No, because he hasn't played well this year. Yeah, he's he's been more of a receiver. Um, so uh, what I want to talk about is it's it's so unique to watch him run because if if he gets in the open space, it's almost impossible for people to tackle him. And a lot of that is because what happens to people that do tackle him. I think there was a four game stretch early in the season. I know the Colts game was part of that, and I, I guess it started week one, but. There was an incident every game where somebody tried to tackle Derrick Henry and they tried to tackle him low and they had to leave with a concussion or they sustained a concussion later. Yeah, it's what it's what happened to Darius Leonard. It's you you, you can't tackle him high because you're going to catch a stiff arm and he's he's six three. He's got really long arms. Like there is no way to get inside of his frame up high, or you're going to grab him from behind and he's too fast and he's got too much just pure velocity going forward. So the only way to really tackle him when he's built up that speed is to tackle him low. And, you know, when you're down 21 points in the second half, you're not going to be the guy that sacrifices your mental health to to make a play only for them to give him the ball in the next play. So, I mean, he is a true punishing running back with home run speed. So that that is a unique combination, especially in that six foot three frame that gives him that stiff arm that really makes him a whole different animal that that's such a unique thing that i mean my stance has always been and will continue to be until i'm proven wrong that you don't pay running backs a second contract it didn't work for Le'Veon bell it did it's not working it's not gonna work for melvin gordon it's not it's working for working ezekiel for elliott kind of like i mean Matias i'll tell you who it didn't work Zeke. for david johnson or Chris Johnson. Seek has not been good this year. Yeah, Sorry. so so it's like the, there's there's several running backs that just I mean for as I good also as, think I also think Henry's game kind of it, it will age better than a lot of these other running backs. Yeah, that's that's the argument is it's like he's not shifty, he's not relying on acceleration, he's relying on long term like deep speed, right. and that that isn't a trait that really goes away. Like, I mean, you can lose your velocity, but I mean, Chris Johnson was still pretty fast. Even when he was older, uh, there's guys like Frank Gore who've kind of been around the same total speed, but I, I don't know. It's just, 
it's a very unique situation, and that combined with him having such a low number of carries for a running back of his quality earlier in his career, it, it, it is the rare unique situation where even though my stance is to completely go against that kind of logic, like you pay, you don't pay running backs. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter. You know, if it's Matt Forte, Chris Johnson, if it's guys that, you know, you think are having hall of fame careers like David Johnson were early in their career. Like it, it's, it so rarely works and it's such a big gamble that it really almost never works out. But he's such a unique case that he he's one of the few that I would consider, and I wouldn't be mad if they re-signed him, but it depends on who they had to let go or if they had to let anybody go to do it. I mean, and and obviously, once the offseason rolls around, we can talk about the salary cap spot that they're in and, and potential cap casualties, quote-unquote, but... Look, when you got good players, you find a way, right? Will your your motto is the salary cap is a myth? Yeah, that that's true. Like, I mean, and I and I firmly believe that, and we see it every year. Uh, the thing is, is like, if you've got good players, you do need to keep them. Like, especially if they work in your system, because nine times out of ten, they don't work in the system they go in, and you're worse for it. Exactly, I mean, and with- and the re- the reason that free agency doesn't work out is not that, well, so-and-so didn't transition into such a system. It's that, for the majority, the really good players aren't hitting free agency. Yeah, the the players that are unique and the teams consider irreplaceable don't usually hit free agency. And then when they do, it's usually because you see that they're coming from a franchise that doesn't understand how to you know, evaluate town. Just like, yeah. okay, so the Jaguars are going to let Yannick Ngakwe go probably because they are, I think they're over the cap by $20 million or something next year. And to do that, they would have to cut, I think the easiest way they could do it is to cut Calais Campbell and like two other starters. They, they just don't have the money to keep him. And if they do, they'll have to completely tear down anything good that they have. But that, they don't like, have anything good. So good yeah, thing he, they have like five good players. Good thing they're paying their falls. <laughs> Yeah, and and Miles Jack, but you know, like that's the thing is like he's a guy that you can trace back and say, okay, bad organization, Jacksonville, check, historic production, check. Like he's one of the guys who'll make it because of the incompetence around him. But he's such a rare case that you know at this point those guys usually get traded for high picks like Jalen Ramsey did, and all that. Like that's usually what happens now because the league is shifting to that. But yeah, I mean. Going back to the original point, Derrick Henry is so unique that I just think – I think if you can keep him and it doesn't cripple you long-term, you have to really strongly consider it. But if you have to give up a guy like Logan Ryan or if you have to give up a Jack Conklin, it, it might not be worth it. Let's talk about Arthur Smith. <laughs> because for the first half or so of the season, the Titans offense was – Real, real bad. I've used that phrase a lot tonight, but it's it's warranted, especially with the offense. But over the last two games, they've kind of been cooking with peanut oil, to use a, a phrase from the South. And um, is that a phrase you use in Miami, Matias, cooking with peanut oil? I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> um, Maybe in Spanish. And, you know, it's prompted some people, both fan and media, to say, oh, we were just way too hard on Arthur Smith. We, everybody was just way too hard on Arthur Smith. Uh, I think the realistic take and the realistic response at this point, because the three of us were very hard on Arthur Smith and quite frankly still are to a degree, uh, but I think the best response is the one, Will, that you had on Twitter today. 
Yeah, so I mean, basically, what happened is is you know people were ready to praise Arthur Smith and all that, like like we were talking about, but. We're two games removed from a stretch where he decided to try to run the ball down the throat of one of the best run defenses in the NFL, which was the Bucks, and he tried to pass the ball on one of the best pass defenses in the NFL, which is the Panthers. So it's not like he's been doing the right thing and it just hadn't been clicking. This is the same guy that gave Deion Lewis the majority of the workload in the first half of the Panthers game and then came back and gave it to Derrick Henry only to march down the field quickly and get a touchdown. So... This weird 2020 hindsight where you try to squint your eyes and make things work that, you it's know. It's not hindsight, because, it's revision. Like you said earlier when we were talking yeah. about the show, revisionist history is what it is. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the right way to say it. It's revisionist history where, you, you know, you say, we were all too hard on this guy. He was doing the right thing. No, he was doing the wrong thing, and he was doing it consistently, and it was a bad job, and you were right to criticize him. And if you weren't criticizing him, you should have been. But it is nice to see that, when a plan is clear and there's a blueprint that you were on the staff for last year that worked extremely well and you get a second shot at a team and you have a full bye week to prepare when all of those things line up it's nice to see that you can make an offense look functional you know an analogy i just thought of because i was thinking in my head well all arthur smith is really doing is just calling inside zone to derrick henry and it's working to a degree, I know that's probably simplifying it a lot, but that made me think back to Adrian Peterson's MVP season. Now, obviously, that was sustained over a whole year. Adrian Peterson, my all-time favorite player. So, but but for these two games, it, it, for the Titans, it's been similar to what the Vikings looked like that year. Does anyone remember who the Vikings' offensive coordinator was that year? And did he get lauded as like, oh man, Arthur this is genius? <laughs> I'm trying to look it up, but my friggin' internet's messing up. That's a good question. <laughs> it would be really funny. The year with a... Ponder? The year yeah, with Ponder, yeah. right? Adrian Peterson's MVP season. That, that was like oh. 2012, was it? I keep my iPad with me so I don't have to uh, make typing noises, but the iPad's giving me problems. So let's just look this up on the computer, and you'll have to ignore the typing noises. Yeah, yeah. they went and six with Leslie Frazier. Yeah, it was 2012. And I'm trying to find who the offensive coordinator was. Leslie Frazier, by Bill the way. Bill Musgrave. Uh, of course it was. Musgrave. Yeah. His like name is familiar. What, what does he do? Game wizard, right? That's what he's he, that's what he's, he's uh he's been he was with Oakland for a long time, wasn't he? Yeah. Oakland for a couple of years and then the Broncos uh, in seventeen and eighteen. And the Broncos had a really good running game last year with Philip Lindsay and, and Royce Freeman. Musgrave. But no one was lauding him as some kind of genius. Like, all he's doing is just saying, here, give it to AP. I mean, let's hold our horses on Arthur Smith. I'm not saying that we need to keep him in the dungeon, but let's not, you know, talk about how great he's been because it's been two games of Derrick Henry. It's just been two games of logic, really. What is anyone actually saying that Arthur Smith is like – has has improved significantly just because uh, pe- of these people last seem to games? think he's like catching his stride and improving. That's yeah. the, the tone I've seen today. Okay, is, in uh, go ahead, Matthias. No, uh, I mean, it's just my my biggest thing is wait, I've asked this question several times throughout the season, and I'm still going to ask it because I don't know the answer to it. What is what is his staple? 
what like what what is his his scheme continuity baby no yeah, no his... there has to be like a, a a play or like a specific concept within the offense that he kind of put has his imprint on yeah, well, I mean, it's a I don't know. Is, that's, that's, that's his hallmark. Is, I don't know. I think that's a slippery slope, though, because, like, what's Sean McVay's staple other than just production? It's getting Cooper Cup on linebackers all the time. Yeah, play action. It's, it's usually it a lot of play be, action. Yeah. It, well, but, we, we use yeah, play action. Yeah, okay. I but what, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, you don't have to have, like, a Gary Kubiak bootleg stick to work, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like you don't. You don't have to be like necessary. I mean. So I think a better way to say like, it is what is uh, McDaniel's blueprint. Like I mean, it's like let Brady do whatever Brady does. But he also won games with Brissett in there when he was super green, and then with uh, Garoppolo in there, who we we've, yeah, we've but, seen him struggle mightily in different situations. So yeah, but he gets Edelman and James White into like mismatches all the time. Does Arthur Smith doesn't do that ever? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, you know, the, those are things he does, but I, I don't necessarily think that that offense is always defined right. by that. Like, I mean, there, Terry Rubisky had an identity. Yeah. Well, so two man routes. Yeah. He, Which we've okay. seen a lot of this year. Here's what I keep coming back to: if you are committed to Tannehill for the short term, but another quarterback, another rookie quarterback for the long term, which is is most likely the best course of action based off what we've seen and what we know about this draft. Are you comfortable with the rest of this rookie quarterback's career being defined by this offense? Because we've seen a bunch, we've seen a bunch of different coordinators mess with Mariota and take what was a promising talent. And, you know, through several different factors, like it it ended up where Mariota is just not going to work in Tennessee. So, and we've seen this happen with different people over time, and I'm, I'm not I'm not breaking any new ground saying that changing offensive coordinators frequently is a bad idea and a bad way to kind of raise a young quarterback. So if you're committed to a long-term plan, is this the guy you want coaching him? Because you can't let him come back next year, bring in a rookie, and then say, no, it turns out that this guy is – what we saw for the majority of last season and not the occasional bright spot. Because then if you fire him, your rookie quarterback learns a second system in two years and you just fall into the spiral. Every time I look at Arthur Smith, I don't see anybody that I want on my, want coaching my talent long term, And that that's, I mean, that's just where I am with it. Like there's, there's almost yeah. nothing he could do at this point that would convince me of that because there's such a large sample size of him doing the wrong thing. I mean, there's nine to 10 games of him consistently showing me that he doesn't understand his talent and that it takes him at least until after halftime to become an average team on offense. So, you know, for right or wrong or whatever, that's just where I am with that. And you can talk about how he's a young play caller in terms of like his career. But, you know, at the end of the day, his big selling point was how familiar he was with this offense with all the players he knew and how he knew how to use them correctly, all his connections and how he had a clear plan for this team and everything we've seen that looks like the plan has been a bad decision. So no, no, I'm, I'm still off of Arthur Smith. I I have a spoiler alert though. That's exactly what's going to happen. That don't hold on. on. Before you do this, remember that whatever you say does come into existence. uh, 
So please don't. Have we, speak I don't think we've told the story. We might have told it on the on the Titan Size podcast back when it happened, but two years ago, I think it was two years before the Madden camera angle Thursday night football mm. game that the Titans yes. played against the Pittsburgh Steelers at yes. Heinz Field. Cody Sinsabaugh, former terrible Titan, had just become a starter for the Steelers. MTS said, "Well, he's going to get a pick tonight." You know what happened? You got a pick. And then Matias sent us a text and said, I'm currently puking on my rug. <laughs> <laughs> I also I mean, yelled that Cardinals lost, by the way. So I that think every, everyone could yeah. see that one coming, the, though. There's there's very clear points in my mind, and maybe it's just this one that I keep like adding to everything, but I'm like, Matias makes a bad prediction about what's going to happen. And, and it then it happens. happens. And, and I'm so like... Well, don't do I'm like so please be careful <laughs> since we're on the uh, the prediction conversation let's make some uh let's let's go back to the schedule like we did last week and take yes. a look at sort of what do we think the titans can finish as because if you remember i didn't think they'd win this game i was kind of saying that this would be a game that that they would lay an egg uh just because that's what the titans do yeah matias and i were like as soon as i heard matias agree like or say that the jaguars are going to win i just pretended i also thought that because like i said he's got weird magic powers and i just i just kind of lean into that whenever i have any doubt titans are six and five right now about to play the colts and i think that this colts game is especially crucial because by winning this game you don't just jump them in the division you jump them in the conference as a whole because you got to remember at this point, wild card berth and division berth are, are both in the realm of possibility, and with a win could become in the realm of like probability for the Titans. Um, must win game. What do you think? Probably gonna lose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> like- I think I think they win as long as if they lose, it's gonna be like brutal, like Carolina. That's what it's gonna look like. If they just if they look competent, like I could see it being like the Tampa Bay game where it's sort of back and forth to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, if they win, I think it'll look like that. If they lose, it's going to look like Carolina. They're not going to lose a close game. If they lose, it is going to be a total really? disaster. Because Mike Vrabel's teams don't lose close games, mm. except well, except the, the Colts, Colts game the Colts earlier this, this year, season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, to be fair, like. I don't know how much it'll matter or whatever, but they are going to be without Marlon Mack and Ebron just went on injured reserve. So yeah, and those, like, that's big because the Titans can't cover tight ends or running backs. Yeah, they they seem to hate doing that, especially when Jayon Brown isn't in. But but it, hopefully Jayon Brown will be in. But uh, I mean, it, this team is built to disappoint. Like yeah, they they are built to get your hopes up. You know, like to, I said, to quote it was really our, the our friend, storm. the uh, the late great Matt Neely, they'll yeah. only break your heart. Yeah, I mean, but this, like, this is the Jaguars game is such a mirage. Like, ju- I mean, they could be a good team. Like we've seen them score points in Kansas City and all that. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that they can't be a good team, but like I said, this is a team that you've already played once. And you had to do it on a short week, so they got a bad view of you. But you've, you know. Your team is motivated to beat them, and they were so obsessed with stopping Derrick Henry that they just, I mean, they were absolutely shook all night because they were biting on those play actions, and it gave those it left those boots wide open, and it froze all the linebackers for your play action. So, I mean, it was, and, and you're coming off a bye week too. So, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm worried about buying into this Jaguars game too much because of 
uh, just how many things went the Titans' way. But, I mean, if Arthur Smith just didn't Arthur Smith it up. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I said that before yesterday's game. I said they'll win if they take a logical approach. Yeah, if the offense will be the the key factor. You think it'll it'll come down to the offense whether we win this game or not? I mean, I think think the Colts are a 20 to 24 point game offense. Like, I think their floor is pretty high and that it's probably 20 points, but especially at home. But, you know, I I think probably best case scenario for the tight best best case realistic scenario for the Titans is they win against the Colts. They beat the Raiders. They drop to the Saints and they split with the Texans. That would put them at yeah. ten and six. Nine and seven. No, nine and seven. Or oh, you're saying they win this game? Yeah, they win this game. They win the Raiders game. So that's eight and six. Oh no, no, that's nine and seven. Then oh, if they yeah, drop one of the seven. Saints and then Just lose count the losses. And I'm sitting yeah, here saying the the, re- the realistic scenario is nine and seven. Course, yeah, every, every single, every single. Year. I mean, and and I would also, although nine and seven with that record may may win us the AFC South, like mm. because it would end up get well. No, I guess no. The Texans, Texans are seven. I mean, four, it's like honestly seven, getting seven. to where you know the 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 Jeff Fisher memes of seven and nine need to be the John Robinson memes of nine and seven. Although a nine and seven season is better than a seven and nine season. I mean, like if it gets us to the playoffs two out of the last three years, I would much prefer that over drafting eighteenth a million times. But I, uh, I think they I beat mean, the it, Bills it, in the playoffs if that matchup were to happen again. Which that would only I mean, happen think, if the Titans won their division. I do too. Yeah, I do too. Like I can yeah, see I the mean, Bills coming here a second time and losing. Yeah, well, what it, oh like, yeah, they're a wild card team. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they, like if they beat Oakland and if they beat Indy and knock Indy down, then they'll be, you know, in it for the wild card, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. I I think I think they're gonna get the sixth spot in the in the, in the playoffs. Have you guys seen the teams in front of them? Yeah, it's like they Pittsburgh stink. right now who is not gonna make like Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh isn't even a, really an obstacle for them. The big obstacles they're, they're, are the intradivision teams, Houston and Indy, and Oakland. Those are your obstacles. Well, well, the thing is, Houston is in the division lead, and so it would really be two spots you're going after. The Steelers are pretty much done. I don't think Devlin Hodges is going to keep them in contention. The Raiders are terrible. Did you guys see the game this weekend? Good God. The did, the, did the Steelers lose to the Bengals yesterday? No, they, no, they but it was won close. Because, because they played right against Ryan Finley. And because Mixon fumbled like inside the five. But they have to play the Browns again this week. The Browns actually, the Browns might be a bigger obstacle than both of those teams that we just mentioned. Well, they're the only Titans they're only one the game tie-breaker. behind. But the, yeah, you're yeah, right. The Titans, they do have the tiebreaker. Yeah. So like that that helps a lot. Mm. So yeah, you're the right. Browns also, also I, the Browns strike me as a team that is destined to end this season in the most catastrophic, disappointing way possible. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is what seven and nine like it, that that feels like. Yeah, yeah, maybe that one of their players will commit an assault on the field. Oh wait, that already oh, happened. Wait, that happened. Yeah, weird. Um, but yeah, like so, if if the Titans beat the Raiders, like that puts uh, the, like let's say in a dream world, the Titans beat the Colts and Raiders. That makes them eight and five. And that like I don't know how the tiebreakers work with the Colts at that point, 
But, I mean, at 8-5 and five with a game advantage over the Colts, I've told y'all before that I think that uh, the whole, like, New Orleans having to come to Tennessee in the late in late December, especially banged up. If you know if they're going to be without Teron Armstead and without Andres Pete, like their whole left side of the offense. I mean, that's not. I don't a know, great man. Look. It's Drew Brees versus Mike Vrabel. I'm going to put my money in the number nine didn't, category. Didn't Drew Brees just lose to Dan Quinn and the Falcons? Like, yeah, that's two the division though. Like and and my my principle is you throw those games out the window. Okay, but I mean that's that's fair. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know. Which, like, which would we, carry to yesterday's game for the Titans? Yeah, I mean that's uh, I don't know. I just I've so I have a hard time getting this team to ten wins. But at I don't the same think time, that'll happen. I don't think they're good enough. Do I think we think? I, hmm, I, I, do we I think wanna... Sean Watson like makes it the whole season? Like he started yes, to yeah. take a lot of yes. sacks. That he, Okay. Okay. You're you're still on this, Bo. <laughs> no, we're not on he, it, man. Things that he's taking. I'm just saying he's taking a lot of sacks, and he's t- he's starting to take them like pretty frequently. I I don't know. All right. Is, so is it, it, go ahead, Matthias. No, I, I I take something back. I I actually think we're gonna win this Colts game because I don't know if T. Y. Hilton's gonna play in this game. He barely made it through the last game. I didn't, and I didn't get to watch like that game because I was busy, but I heard that he was like dreadful no he was not okay and i'm pretty sure he might have suffered a setback if he doesn't play in this game or if he's at least hobbled i i think we're gonna win this game he's the he's he's like the x factor in my opinion because we can't ever seem to cover him except logan ryan logan ryan's the one that can cover him yeah yeah that the monday night game but jacoby Brissett was terrible in that game yeah maybe jacoby Brissett is terrible no, I know, but it was a different, it was a different offensive <laughs> well, line. The, la- the last time that the Titans went to Indianapolis to play Jacoby Brissett, they set a franchise record for sacks in a game and still almost lost. You remember that? That was the game that Marcus had arguably the best throw of his career where he threw to Delaney and quadruple coverage. Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah, like, oh, yeah. That was a good play. Yeah. But So, uh, so what do you think is the game times. plan? This week is it the same as it's been for the Titans the past two weeks? Because I think it is. I mean, who do the Colts even have up front that's going to stop Henry? Like at least the Jags have like Ngakwe and Campbell and and Jack and yeah, all those guys. I mean, Jack's not very good, and the other two are kind of soft sometimes. We saw from the the cheap shots and the business decisions yesterday. But one thing they do have is they're athletic and and they're kind of talented at least. Who do the Colts have other than maybe Leonard up front that's going to do anything about Derrick Henry? Justin Houston? Mm. Yeah, is he even playing? No, that's, that's not really his game, though. No, Danico no. Autry's pretty good, apparently. I had no idea who he was until week two of the season, and he wrecked <laughs> the entire game somehow. Yeah, he like he had like 10 sacks or something last year. Like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of, it's yeah. crazy, like out of nowhere. He out of nowhere. Um, I was not expecting that. Yeah, I, I don't know, because like they don't allow a ton of rushing yards per game, the Colts, but... They don't give up points either, man. They're like a sneaky, overachieving defense. Yeah, like they're just really well coached. I just, I don't know. Like, if if let's take what we know. So we saw that the Titans, as they were in week uh, two, took it down to the wire, had a chance to kick a field goal to win the game, which knowing the Titans kickers, they would have missed it. 
but they still had a chance and were in position to make, you know, they were winning. They allowed a late score to give the Colts a lead. Then they came back and drove the field and clock mismanagement or, you know, the, the Luke, uh, AJ Brown dropping a contested pass kind of theory popped up at whatever. They end up losing that game. So I'm actually kind of glad we don't have time to talk about that today. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you add Jeffrey Simmons, Ryan Tannehill, and Taylor Lewan <laughs> to that team, does it make a one-point difference? Or I guess does it make a four-point difference on the road? I mean, it, yeah. the math has shown us that it makes a 12-point difference on average. So, and that's, I mean, you still had to play teams like the Panthers who do have a tough defense, the Bucks who do have a tough run defense. So, I mean, it's not like they got to play the Dolphins several times, which the Colts lost to the Dolphins. So I guess I shouldn't necessarily say that, but you know, it, it, it feels like if this team is upgraded at those positions and they play like it and they don't play afraid of the Colts or whatever, if they can take advantage of the situation and see it as an opportunity instead of like a hurdle they have to get over, then they should be talented enough to win this game. But at least in my mind, because I've seen it so many times, I just have to see them do it before I say they can do it again. I th- I think the Colts might, might give this game to the Titans because last week against the Texans, they essentially gave the game to the Texans because they completely took the ball out of Jacoby Brissett's hands, um, and they just decided to run the ball the entire game. Uh, and it was effective, but you can't score a lot of points when you're running the ball and you're melting the clock the entire game. Uh, if they would have let Jacoby Brissett throw the ball maybe five to ten more times, they probably would have won that game, uh, especially against a Texan secondary that was banged up. I don't, I can't even name you. I can't even name you the cornerbacks or even safeties out that were that were playing in that game for Houston. Um, and Frank Reich, for some reason, decided uh, that they were just going to keep running the ball. If they do that same thing against the Titans, they're going to lose the game because the, t- the Titans' run defense is fantastic. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's possible. Yeah, that, that the-, the, the more y'all talk about it, the more I'm thinking, like, maybe they do pull this one out. Of course, that's a yeah. dangerous thought with this team. <laughs> yeah, right. But, I mean, I mean, this is- Colts team is just, other than the fact that they are extraordinarily well coached by Frank Reich, we know that. They're nothing special. They're good. Mediocre. They play and they're fundamentally hurt. sound football. But nothing about them really scares you all that much. Marlon Mack would scare me if he was playing. He's not playing. T.Y. Hilton would scare me if he was healthy. He's not healthy. Eric Ebron would scare me. He's not. <laughs> maybe, yeah, Jack, I mean, maybe Jack Doyle will have Jack a, Doyle uh, a renaissance game. <laughs> yeah. yards. Oh, don't say that. Matthias, but this is a happen? game, you know, You'll think, never get thinking yards. about no. it right now, I'm starting to think, based on this conversation we've had, this is no longer a game that the Titans m- might win. This is a game they probably should win, you know? Certainly yeah. one that they need. Yeah. They're the they more should. talented they team. They're the more talented, they're healthier, they're better rested, and they have more momentum. I mean, they're 4-1 and one in their last, what, like, I mean, five games? So yeah, 4-1 in their started. last five, all of so them with Tannehill. Well, I was trying to think four and one in the last six weeks. And over that same stretch of time, the Colts have lost games to the Steelers, the Dolphins and the Texans. Yeah, three of their last four. So, I mean, if you're talking about momentum and which, you know, which teams play in best and who's in form and all that kind of stuff. I mean, 
the Titans win that every single time. It's just it's on on paper the Titans should win this game. Doesn't matter if it's on the road, whatever. The problem is just the mental hurdle. It's just so many guys who've lost to the Colts so many times with different players. You know, whoever starting here, whoever starting there. It's just can they get out of their own way? Well, probably I not. Had, but yeah, they I, should. Yeah, yeah, I, they should win. But I, I still think it's even though I think the talent says it's probably seventy five twenty five. I think that. I'm still thinking it's a 50-50 game. I'll say one last thing before we get to stop the nonsense. Um, here's my sort of game plan in terms of offensive script. First play, Derrick Henry inside zone. Easy. Here's what I'm doing second play. Hard play action back to the defense. And then when you turn back, you've got Khalif Raymond running straight down the field and Corey Davis running a deep over. I'm going into this game and telling you that this is the energy that we, the Titans, are going to be playing with today, Colts. And you know what? We're not going to sleepwalk through this game, okay? Because that's what they usually do when they lose to the Colts. And it's why I said earlier that if they lose, it's going to look like Carolina. Because they just kind of stumble around and sleepwalk when they go to Indianapolis. Same with Houston applies. But for this game, if Mike Vrabel wants to be Mr. Aggressive, this is the game to do it. I know Derrick Henry's the centerpiece of your offense and you got to get him the football. So do that. But at the same time... Don't don't just make play action this thing where you do it and you roll to the right. No, there's so-and-so on this five-yard crosser. He can turn into 15-yard. No, take some friggin' shots down the field. Yeah, and that's not only a good option because of the mindset aspect of it, um, but also from a pure football perspective, the Colts have been uh, springing leaks in their secondary, uh, particularly last week. Will Fuller got open at, at, at will. I know we don't have Will Fuller, but Khalif Raymond is at least fast. Uh, Will Fuller was getting open down the field consistently. Hopkins was left wide open on like a 35-yard touchdown. Uh, so this is definitely a secondary that you can attack. Um, and if you the earlier you do it, I, I think it does set good precedent for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, they've got to be aggressive. I would love to see A.J. Brown put up back-to-back impressive games, especially against AFC South teams because he's still going to draw probably the second-best defensive back if they go man-to-man like that. But, I mean, really, could Johnu Smith go off? Yeah, Darius Leonard didn't great in coverage. He's more of a, like, go-forward kind of guy. Like, they don't, they don't really have a bunch of good cover linebackers. Could Corey Davis go off? Like, yeah, sure. Like, why not? I mean, if he's going against these defensive backs and you give him six-plus six targets, he's going to put up 80 yards or more. He always does. You know, could you see Khalif Raymond having a deep pass that, you know, just goes through? Yeah, like, they've got the weapons to do it. It's just, in my head, they always start off down 14-0, like we talked about. They always start off slow. They don't look like they have any urgency, I guess, because they're trying not to, you know, get nervous energy or whatever. But they always start off slow, and it always comes back to bite them because they can never get back in it. And you're right, they have to dictate the pace early. I don't care you know, if they do that with play actions, run game, whatever, but they have to be ready to be aggressive. All right, let's get to Stop the Nonsense, our weekly segment where we point out the dumbest stuff. Uh, you know, As I usually say, it started out as from the sports world, but mine today is not sports world related. Um, so I'll actually start today because I think it's been a while since I've started. Um, I usually delegate that task. So... What I was going to do is this one tweet I saw on Sunday during the game, but I can't find it. I promise it existed, though. Some guy saying that, I'm already out of stand, boy. 
saying, guys, my dad told me that he thinks this is going to happen. Literally, this is what the tweet said. I wish I could find it. You guys might be able to remember who, who said this if you saw it. But, guys, my, my dad said this is going to happen. Tannehill's going to get hurt after they beat the Colts. Tannehill's going to get hurt. And Marcus is going to come in. He's going to lead him to the playoffs. Be the savior. Move on! Move on! It's over! Done! So here, here's my real stop the nonsense. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm walking back to my car from the game yesterday. Um, and uh, because we have two reporters there, we only get one parking pass. So, of course, Buck takes the parking pass. And I park at the Mainstay, which is a bar that, that sponsors our, uh, our pre- and post-game shows. And so I'm walking over to the bar, the Mainstay, and I pass a Shoney's that is right next to the stadium inn. If you're a Titans fan that goes to games, you know exactly where that is. Um, and I pass the Shoney's, and I see it all the time. Matias, are there Shoney's in, in Florida? I think so, yes. Well, it's I've like, never been in one. I don't even know how to really describe it, because I haven't, I haven't been in one in probably over 15 years. But, I don't know. Will, have you... Are you a Shoney's frequenter? <laughs> I mean, no. Like, I, I know they exist, but they're always a place where I'm like, ah, there's other yeah, places. Yeah, their, their reputation like is like Golden Corral-ish. Like, but sticky. Yeah, like, but yeah. Like, you know when the tables are sticky somewhere, <laughs> like, and you're like, like I don't yeah. want to be here. Yes, like, they have the buffet, they have a breakfast bar. Um, but anyway, so I'm walking past the Shoney's, and on their little sign, like the ledger, it says... Order a Titan Blue drink at our full bar. If you go to a Shoney's for the bar, you should be immediately escorted to the nearest Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. (laughs) Who is going to Shoney's for (laughs) the bar? I don't know. Maybe they have a good bar. I, I was not expecting this to be the direction you took it, but like, yeah, like that is a really weird thing. Like, there are other like, if you're like, I'm gonna go to the Shoney's to get a drink, just drink at home, man. Like, <laughs> is that rock yeah. bottom? You think Shoney's? I don't know, man. But like, I, I I I know where when I go to Shoney's to get my soggy French fries and steak that's harder than anything imaginable. I, I'm gonna go to the full bar. I mean, I guess if you're going to a Shoney's, you need a drink anyway. Like, can you? I, I wonder if people. I wonder if anybody's like on uh, at the, like the rehearsal dinner for their wedding. It's like, where did you two meet? We we met at the bar at Shoney's. Uh, that is a wedding I would not be invited to and would not attend. Like, if you if that's your story, like y'all can just leave me out, man. Like we we weren't meant to be friends. So, we have so, different ideals. So my stop the nonsense is just why does that exist? Why is there a full bar at <laughs> Shoney's? Stop the nonsense goes to Shoney's and <laughs> and how they insist on making people sad. I might walk in next time there's a game. Just be, just ask like, how often do people actually come and drink here? And they'll mishear you, and they'll be like, "Oh, people are drunk here all the time." Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but they, like they're the drunk when they come, come in, though. They're not drunk because of what happens in there. <laughs> they sober up real quick when they get there because they see just how bad all these can be. all these miserable Titans fans leaving the game, going to eat eat their sorrows away in Shoney's. Matias, you are up. Not okay, Shoney's. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Shoney's. But send us money if you want. Yeah. Anyway, how dope your bar is. 
My stop the nonsense, because I always forget to do a stop the nonsense, and someone always reminds me and gets one for me. Uh, actually, I saw this one happen in real time, uh, but for some reason, I thought I thought this happened like several months ago. I had multiple I had multiple people reach out and tell us we needed to talk about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we, we definitely got added um, as soon as it happened, but it it feels like it happened forever ago. I don't know. It's been a long been a long week, I guess. So, friend of the podcast, Trez Wynn, um, yeah, a lot, yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of you Titans Twitter people that Trey. already know who he is probably have. It's Trez. It's Trey. Trey. Look at the sure? bio. It says, say it like Trey. So, Trey's, Trey's win. Okay. No, Trey's no, 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 no. Trey. no. Just, just like three. Just like, like it's spelled T-R-E-Y. His at is Trez Wynn, so I'm going to call him Trez Wynn. <laughs> That's fair. Trez <laughs> Call him Trace Wynn. Zach Bingham does the same thing on our show in the mornings. Dude, I actually thought his name was Trez. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Trez Wynn, uh, he tweets, Any season ticket or PSL holding fan is far better than the folks who root for the Titans from their couch and tweet about it. Put your money where your mouth is if you want to be elite. <laughs> last line if you want to be elite it's 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 the worst tweet i've ever seen in my life i like i don't i I don't even know where to start my favorite part about it is that is not that he's being a classist but that he's calling himself elite like he's like as if it's understood (laughs) that he is in this elite class yeah yeah but well that's what being elitist is (laughs) it's exactly what he's being um, I just don't understand that take at all, man. How, what makes you better than someone just because you're paying money on season tickets? Like, what what makes you better than me just because I don't live in Nashville and I can't go to all, all the games? Like, I, I know someone that got real, real, real mad. Well, I dropped my microphone. Someone that got real, real mad about this was uh, at Titans Film Room, Justin Graver, because he right. lives in, like, Los Angeles. Right. And he's a I mean, huge Titans fan. Yeah, it, I would I would almost say if you're a Titans fan outside of the state of Tennessee, you're a bigger fan than most people because you exactly. chose to watch the Titans not by proximity. Also, uh, he 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 like tried to p- pass it off. I don't know if you guys saw. Oh yeah, he backtracked. It's it's his pinned tweet right now. It it says have, I have no issue admitting when I was wrong. The elite tweet that I sent was meant to be tongue and cheek. It's tongue and cheek. Both of them. Both of them. Tongue and cheek. Tongue Tongue and cheek, like mm, with two apostrophes on either (laughs) side. (laughs) All right, tongue and cheek. To mock the idea of any fan being elite or not, it clearly didn't go over, and I regret implying that anyone is better than anybody. My apologies. Uh, Yeah, no, that's not what he was trying to do. Go Titans! really meant exactly what he wrote, man. I mean, like... It, it it can't be both things. Like you can't be implying something and then also being like it was a joke. Like, but if you but if it wasn't a joke, this is what it wouldn't be. Maybe if he wasn't like consistently, I don't know, like condescending all the time in his tweets. Maybe we'd we'd think it was a joke, but he just I mean, that, that, that would be the equivalent of me like with the Derrick Henry stuff I said a few weeks ago, being like. I was just I was just being sarcastic. I was I was mocking the people who actually believe that. Yeah. 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 Like I, I tweeted like... yesterday Arthur Smith is is better than Matt LaFleur. Like it'd be like me. No, just kidding. That's actually accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean so it like 
just if you have takes, just own them. Like, don't try to be on both sides of the argument. Just if you've got something like you want to say or you think, tweet it. If you don't, don't tweet it just to tweet. Like, I guess I just don't understand that. Like, if you put your name on something, believe it. Like, I don't understand what's so yeah. difficult about that. All right, uh, Will, bring us home. Yeah, I'll roll into mine. So, uh, Daryl Wilson, I, I tw- I'll, I'll give some background first. Uh, posted a tweet earlier that uh, this morning that was a poll that was, you know, said if you had to choose, would you rather sign Ryan Tannehill to a three-year, seventy-five million dollar deal, which it make would make him the thirteenth highest-paid quarterback, which you know isn't crazy based off how he played, uh, or would you rather make Derrick Henry the third highest-paid running back at three years, forty-two million dollars? So, <laughs> that, I mean, the shockingly to me the poll has been pretty heavily towards derrick henry making him the third how is that shocking to you well you know these people but i just i like i don't understand when a guy comes out and has four four total touchdowns like i guess derrick henry had a huge game too and this that but whatever so it's 80 percent to 20 percent derrick henry to Tannehill. hill like you know like okay like that's that's fine i i get people want derrick henry like i i totally understand that but somebody tweeted sorry not somebody daryl wilson uh tweeted me and who is and that said, uh daryl wilson at daryl good grip oh is he he's uh, like he's not like a writer or anything no 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 no. uh he's just somebody on twitter and uh he said uh Tannehill is nothing without the threat of henry in the backfield glad 17 is performing but the truth but it's the truth 22 greater than 17 Okay, like if you if you think that Derrick Henry is having a good stretch, you're right. Derrick Henry is having a good stretch, but that what an insane take! Like it, it yeah. Tannehill Tannehill benefits from having a good running back, like every quarterback does. Uh, but it, it's it's not like it's all dedicated to Henry getting 40 like 40 to 50 touches and he's just going off and dumping off little passes and get, I mean he's driving the ball downfield he's doing everything like you would want a quarterback we've already talked enough about how good Tannehill's been it's just like that that's what concerns me about the Titans fan base is I worry that the emotions are going to get too crazy and that if the Titans don't re-sign Derrick Henry, that it's just going to be this massive collapse and the fan base is going to have another argument all over like Mariota again. Like I, ca- I cannot wait for the day. I, I mean, obviously I've already said, I think they need to re-sign him. If they don't, yeah, you've been big on the, it for the, a while. The, the riots that are going to take place at Nissan stadium. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's just going to be, give it to me, eject it in my yeah. veins. Like, I hate it, man. Like, I, mm. I wish we could get a team that we all liked the same people and understood the business behind it and didn't necessarily, like, make everything a civil war like it's been for the last, like, three years. And, you know, certain people egg it on and certain people, like, thrive off of the chaos and they want to be, you know, they want their hot takes and they want to, like, be negative and this, that, and other. And that's that's fine, whatever. I guess do your thing. But it would be nice to have one year where we were all pulling for the same people on the yeah. team. Or, you know, I mean, Marcus was just so, so polarizing hard. and still is for some reason. Well, uh, and the thing is, it's like if you if one person tweets about Mariota, then it's it instantly gets retweeted by everybody who likes him and doesn't <laughs> like him. Oh, yeah. And then everybody is screaming the same things they've been screaming for months and it just gets fired all back up. So like, I got to the stadium yesterday and I saw a, a, a writer was tweeting out videos of Mariota throwing because he goes out really early now because of 
to, to make up for the lack of practice reps. And I was just like, I would rather eat a bowl of nails than tweet out Mario to warm up videos and have to read the insane responses that there would be from these people who still believe that he's the future. No, he's the future of the Rams. Or the Bears. Or the yeah, Chargers. maybe the Bears. Maybe the Bears. I don't want to. I don't want him. Actually, the Bears have a pretty good infrastructure. Yeah, Chargers. Yeah, he should go to the Chargers. Well, yeah, like the Chargers wanted him, and he's it's the closest, or at least it was at the time, the closest um, city to Hawaii that has right. an NFL team. And there was a rumor that we were going to get Rivers, and they would get the like the second overall pick. Yeah. <laughs> it might still happen five years later. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, no, yeah, no, I don't want lost a lot of it's, it's, No, no, no. Is that what you're implying? Yeah, no, get, no, get, no. Give me no, Tannehill no, for no, sure. No, but, exactly. But yeah, like that was a rumor. So it's like, you know, let him go somewhere. Let him go to Kansas City and be the back. Like, let him go and do like a New England style internship in Kansas City where, you know, whenever they hire that offensive coordinator to be somebody's head coach, he can just go with them and do something there. But yeah, I mean, like Mariota's future is not in Tennessee. If it is for some, if it is for an NFL team, it's not for the Titans. So just, you know, for better or worse, you've got to just get that out of your head. Yep. We will be back next week after the Titans play the Colts on Sunday. To recap that one, we'll look ahead to what some are already calling the Battle of the Boys because Will Compton and Taylor Lewan of the Raiders and Titans, respectively, will take each other on. Uh, so next week will be fun. Enjoy the game on Sunday. For Will and Matias, I am Luke reminding you and everyone in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.